Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bolle. As always, you know, you look back at last weekend's game against the Blues, the Avalanche lose 8-2, to two, and you're asking yourself, how are they going to bounce back? How are they going to respond to this? I think a pretty good answer is you go and win a game 8-2 yourself, and at very least go wipe away that goal differential and bring it back to to square zero is that a word square zero what, what am i looking we're for? gonna pretend it is we're gonna pretend okay. it is. What, what, what am i looking for there square zero because i have no idea where you're trying to go with this, this not but i'm, I'm gonna nod my head. not think of one so. <laughs> welcome to the episode we're uh it's, it's friday been a long for week yeah it's been a long week griffin's fresh off thursday night football where he watched the ravens beat the uh cincinnati Bengals. so he's he's still riding high from that and like he was saying the abs bounce back in a big way. Can there be a much different episode than the ones we've had these past couple, like last week we're like down in the dumps and now all of a sudden you're after two big wins. You're like, I'm all the way back in on this team. Yeah. All the way back in. Hey, that, that's been the story of this team the entire season. When they win, they win big. They look dominant. They look unstoppable. And then when they lose, they just look so absolutely out of it and apathetic. They look like a beer league team. There's yeah. just so many conflicting emotions with this team that when they have such highs like this, like they did winning 8-2 to two over the Anaheim Ducks, granted, second half of a back-to-back, yes, the Ducks, but still, you don't score eight goals every single night and look as dominant as this team did. It makes those lows, like not even a week ago against the Blues, and then the weekend before that against Vegas, just incredibly more confusing. Yeah, this team is, uh, we've talked about, they're a roller coaster, man, and hopefully we're going on one of the highs because going into this game against Dallas tonight, by the time you're listening to this, that we'll talk about it more once we get to it. This is now the biggest game of the season so far. Yes. Like there's a lot of things we have to talk about in that game. And I'm very excited to, but let's talk about this ducks game first. I did not get to watch this one live. Uh, maybe I'm the reason why, because I didn't get to watch live. I watched it on DVR later and Holy shit. Did we kick the shit out of the Ducks? And we were talking about it on the episode earlier in the week. I was like, I think this is going to be a close game. The Ducks just always have our number. No, the Avs took advantage of a team on the second half of back-to-back and just absolutely kicked the shit out of them. Yeah, they that's a good way to put it. They took advantage of a team who had played the night before in Nashville. And it, I don't think that takes away from it. You play the team that's on your schedule. You can't really do anything about that. If you have an advantage going into the game, I hope you use that and – it really didn't matter all that much because the Ducks did not have much business being in this game whatsoever. The Avs continued where they left off in the third period against the Kraken and just completely smothered the Ducks from puck drop. And this is one of the most dominant games easily of the season and that I've seen them play in quite a while. Yeah, you had all all four lines were buzzing. The decor added Sam Gerrard back, and without Josh Manson, they kind of looked a little bit better, in my opinion. <laughs> so the decor was good. Georgiev let a couple by him, but overall, I thought he was solid in the game. Not at all his fault. Yeah. Honestly, th- those goals from the Ducks, we can just get those out of the way. 
those are just great plays. I mean, that that first one on their that second shot. Yeah. yeah, was it Carrick, that deflection from Gudis? Yeah, that, that's, it's their second shot of the game, which doesn't look good on paper, but you actually watch the goal. It's a perfect deflection, goes just under the bar. And then that that goal that made it, what, five to two at yep. that point, it's just a, it's a nice play on the back door. There's there's nothing Georgiev can do on either one of those. You, you feel bad that he has a sub 900 save percentage in this game. It was a pretty easy night for him, but the two that, that went in. Nothing he can do about him. He can do about him. I mean, if you look at it for two games, he's allowed three goals. That, that That's the positive for me when you look at it. So I thought he was good. All four lines were great. And the decor looked fantastic in this game as well. Yeah, they absolutely did. And you look back at now, if you just take out the, the first period of the Kraken game, the last five periods this team has played, they've outscored their opponents 13 to two. Okay, put put the first one in, it's 13 to three at that point. Like who even cares? It's still pretty good. It's a good response after their lowest of lows uh, last Saturday against the Blues. So they've looked pretty, pretty damn good. I've been pretty happy with how they've played. Um, I can't tell you how excited I was. I got to watch like the first 10 minutes of this game. And when Sam Gerrard scored, that was a very, very proud moment for me. Because I I feel like me and you are like the only ones, not the only ones, we're one of the few who defend Sam Gerrard. And just be like, everyone relax. He's a good player. So to see him score, and it wasn't like a, a pretty move. It was honestly a greasy kind of goal. <laughs> like he's crashing for rebounds. For him to get that, that that just proves like doesn't prove anything. But it's just way to go, Sammy G. After he missed that empty netter, uh, it was just good to see him get one. Yeah, it's funny because I was genuinely confused as to who scored the goal because. Gerard's never down there. So that's that didn't just immediately click in my brain, like, oh, that's 49, just standing in the crease. Like, who's it? It's 46. Who is this? I don't understand who this is. But it's Gerard cleaning up in front of the net off of a a Jack Johnson shot with a Tomas Tatar assist. This should have been a pretty good indicator of what we were in for at this point. Because I think at this point of the first period, the Avs were out shooting the Ducks like 11 to nothing at this point. Like they had come out flying in this game if there had been a criticism of the abs this season other than the blowouts it's that they haven't always started on time or at least just not started to the level of their opponent they outshot the ducks 17 to 3 in the first period and did not give the ducks anything to work with if you have a team on the second half of a back-to-back you either a want to jump on them early while they're still tired or b just get on them in the third period when they run out of gas and the abs did both they did both. I love how you said that the Avs had 17 shots in the first period. The Ducks had 17 shots for the entire game. Yeah. So, if the Avs like that, that's pretty good. Home, the Avs went home after the first period. The Ducks would have matched their shot total. Correct. So good for Sammy G. Gets his first of the year. Dude, Thomas Starr has seven assists now. Like He's playing better. I just want that dude to score so fucking bad. Yeah. He's playing like, I just want him to get one. Yeah, he's playing good hockey. I mean... He had a shot in this he game. Did. He definitely had a chance that it looked like Dostal made an incredible save. He flubbed it. Man. He totally just flubbed the puck wide open net and just shot it off the side of the goal. He, he's gripping his stick too hard. He hasn't scored it all this season. He's already been scratched. He feels it. I mean, it's. I don't think you need to overthink it much more than that. He's gripping his stick. Yeah, He's gripping his stick. But once he gets one, I think it's a lot like when Colton got that one. It's going to start flowing for him because he's playing good hockey. He's being in the right spots. He's making the right plays. 
this play to set up Gerard, that was a great play by him to keep that puck in on the blue line. Like I thought that puck got out of the zone and Tatar kept it in, gets it to Jack Johnson who rips it. And then Sammy G's there to clean up the rebound. The, the goals are going to come for Thomas Tatar. He's just got to get one, man. He's just got to get one and he'll start rolling. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's a pretty consistent year over year, 20 goal scorer in the NHL. I don't think that ability just up and faded overnight because he wasn't signed until September. And I agree. He's going to get one. I don't know if he did 20, but it doesn't matter as long as he's scoring when it matters in the season. I agree. He's going to get one. He's going to start scoring a bunch more, but he well, gets- galaxy brain here. The biggest criticism for Tatar we talked about, he doesn't show up in the playoffs. What if he's saving all of his goals for the playoffs? Right. Regular, se- regular season doesn't matter. That's what yeah. everyone always says. And if he finishes with eight goals in the regular season, but eight goals in the playoffs, who cares? Who cares? Maybe he's saving them for them. But uh, I did love that play by him keeping that puck in on the blue line. And uh, just a good forecheck by the abs. And I, I really like that. So the abs take a one nothing lead. Um, and then a guy scores his fourth goal of the year. Valnachushkin's starting to wake up. And that is probably terrifying for the rest of the NHL. Because if Val starts playing like we think he can, it, it's going to be good. Especially with Lekin and out for however long. And Val's probably going to fill in on that top line. Val needs to get going. And so far in the two games that Lekin's missed, he's looked pretty good. Yeah, it's nice to see him establishing a very strong net front presence. He gets this goal deflecting a Kale McCarr shot, or no, this one was the Taze shot, the one yep. later was the Kale McCarr shot, excuse me. So this one deflecting a Devontae shot to make it two to nothing on the deflection. And it's good to see him scoring now again, because it seems like he's went cold to start the season, had a couple of, of rough games, but he's establishing a good net front presence. I think there's still some things you'd like to see cleaned up a little bit as you start to get deeper into the season. But like you said, with Lekkonen probably going to be out for a pretty strong portion of the season. As from I mean, minimum four weeks, he's on LTIR. Minimum. Yeah, minimum LTIR, four weeks, and also wearing a neck brace at the moment does not inspire optimism for a return anytime soon. And if that's going to be the case, you're going to need Val to be kind of do it work in double duty on the wings, whether it's going to be on the top line or on the second line. And he's got his skating back. He's looked like he's skating a lot better. He had it a lot early in the season. That seemed like it kind of went away for a little bit. Now it seems like he's getting that extra burst back. And well, we talked about it. He's got the dad strength now. Yeah. That's exactly it's, what it is. Being a dad. That, that, that's He's had three goals in three games since he's become a dad or four games. That's how it works every time guys yeah. just have kids. And all of a sudden they, they just, you see it all the time in the league (laughs) not just in the NHL. it's in every sport it's crazy so yeah i mean i'm I'm happy for val and kale mccarr has 15 assists which like that kind of like have you not thought that kale like he had the like scare with a couple injuries beginning of the season he's still producing at a very good clip and i i just i keep waiting for him to to break out maybe this is just going to be consistent like two points tonight for kale mccarr because that's that seems to be what it, what it's going yeah, to be. Yeah, I've started to see this floated around a little bit that like Kale McCarr's had a slow start to the season. Like for, like for his, even his standards, I disagree because he's been he's had a couple mistakes defensively and like turning bucks over. But outside of those, like he's got 21 points on the season. He's already got four goals. He's made some outstanding plays. Like he's still been Kale McCarr. He's still going to be a Norris finalist, at least playing like this. And the thing about him is, to your point, you know that there is another level to his right. game. Because right and now, I think that's why people think he's starting slow. Right. Is because we we see 
McDavid and McCarr kind of on their own levels. So even though he's producing at more than a point per game right now, it's like, huh, mate, I'm expecting more just because that's what our standards are for Kale McCarr. So he had three points in this game and it probably was his quietest three point night ever. Yeah. I mean, it usually is with Kale. Yeah. <laughs> he just he just does impressive stuff all the time. And everyone's like, yeah, well, we'll do more than that. What happened yeah. to five points? You should have put a goal in too. Right. And I think that's where a lot of it comes. Uh, and I need sometimes that because to look at that, like the actual point total, because I will think what a lot of people are saying, because I'm an idiot fan sometimes. I'm like, Kale's not playing his best. And then you go look at the stats and it's like, oh, he's, yeah, he, he's pretty good. Like <laughs> he's, he's playing pretty damn well. Yeah, just when it comes to McCarge, it took such a short amount of time for expectations to fly through the roof that you see him put up a three-point night in an 8-2 win. You're like, well, yeah, naturally. Yeah. Okay, why didn't well, he have more? He's in that he's in that McDavid and McKinnon-esque tier where that's what you just come to expect from them on a nightly basis. And then if they don't do that, it's like, what's wrong with them? Right. It's like right now, I think a lot of it is in terms of like national media attention, I think already there's just a bit of boredom with talking about Kel McCarr and all the impressive things that he does. And when you have a shiny new toy like Quinn Hughes right now, who's having a, a fantastic season, that's where a lot of the attention goes. And then Kel McCarr just doing his normal thing flies under the radar. And How funny would it be if he got a hundred points this year. You know what? He, he probably will. He's on pace for it. <laughs> now, that, now that the seal's been broken by Carlson, now he might just go do that because it's yeah. fun. <laughs> like, he could realistically get a hundred points if he keeps producing the way he is. Um, I didn't get to watch. So what was this whole deal? He went and got a precautionary x-ray in this game. So, I mean, if you aren't on Twitter, you wouldn't even have known this happened. Like right. it was just, you get to the end of the first period. We already talked about the, the ducks goal to make it two to one, even though the abs absolutely dominated the entire period. And then I think it was Arif just tweets out that like Kale McCarr is getting carted into the x-ray room and Peter yeah. corroborates that. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's what I was saying, man. Cause I'm like sitting at dinner, just refreshing Twitter. Cause I was keeping up with the game that way. And I'm like, how, what happened? Why is he, why, why is he, what's going on? What's going on? And then all of a sudden he was just fine. It was just, yeah, a was just fine. It, they, they, but again, it was also the language, like not that he went into the x-ray it was that he was carted into the x-ray room. <laughs> so I'm assuming they have him like on a gurney because like his foot's falling off or something. Well, and I mean, I just think like getting carted to the x-ray room, I think of Val in the Stanley cup final. Right. Like I was like, oh, he broke his foot. So he's getting carted in. He's going to be done for the season. And then he's just out for the second period. Like nothing, like didn't miss a single shift in the entire game. Just got a casual MRI in the locker room. It was good. And just goes back out there. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. It's just something that's been bugging me a little bit. What are you, what are you talking? You got an x-ray in the, <laughs> the first intermission. <laughs> it's just, oh man, I saw that and I was, I was freaking out. Cause then there was like, you had that, there was radio silence on Twitter for like, five, 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, second period's out. He's on the ice. Yeah, he's fine. Okay. All right, cool. He's fine. How fast <laughs> is that x-ray? <laughs> Don't freak us out like that guys. You're killing us. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad I, you didn't see anything that happened. Cause I was thinking that like he took a slash or something like that. Oh, it, it was just the most random out of the blue thing that the abs have that incredible period. Everyone looks really good. And then Kale McCarr is getting x-rayed, but also he's fine. Don't worry about it. Right. Okay. All right. I'm not going to freak out. We don't need to freak anyone else out, but I will admit in the moment I was freaking out. So um, just a incredibly out of the blue, <laughs> just one of the most random things I've ever yeah. seen, but let, let's bounce the second period. Second period is probably the most boring period of this game. Not much yeah. happened. The apps continue to dominate. Uh, Frederick Olson gets his second goal of the year. Logan O'Connor, Yoel Kiviranta with the assists on it. 
I think Dostal should have made the save personally, like watching it. Like it was a pretty sloppy goal, but good for the fourth line getting a goal, man. Love to see it. Yeah, just a pretty strong, hardworking goal. I mean, the depth is the story of this game. Correct. I mean, we can save it till the end talking about this game because the third period just had almost everyone in the depth scoring. Right. Goal, but it starts here with Freddie Olofsson. And I almost want to give a ton of credit to, to Logan O'Connor, even more than Olofsson on this play. O'Connor had a fantastic game. He's been having a fantastic season. And... Again, he had a two-point night in this game. Yeah, he has a two-point night in this game. And Kiwi Ranta, he gets his – was this his first point as an Av? He didn't first have point, points. yes. He did not have one against Seattle. This was his yeah. first point as an Av. He gets that puck on the wall, gets it to O'Connor, and just a beautiful pass by Logan O'Connor. Just the little things with Logan O'Connor. like, yeah, you look at his stats right now, and they're very similar to some of the starts he's had in other seasons where he's breaking out all these points and all these goals – but it's the little plays like this where it's just that pass is just a little more accurate than it used to be. It's right on the stick, and it's not a certified sniper. It's Freddie Olofsson, who has, what, three, four goals in his NHL career. He probably this doubled point. his total since he played started playing for the Avs. Right, and he he sets him up perfectly on this play. Just He's reading plays a lot more, and he's become almost invaluable to the bottom six where no matter – where he is or no matter where logan o'connor is that line just immediately gets better the players around him get immediately better and like we were concerned he goes up to the third line to play with colton and wood before the season like oh he's he can't play up on the third line he's been brilliant wherever he's played he's been brilliant and you like you said th this is kind of become a pattern for oc where he'll start the year super strong i'm interested to see if he can keep this up i hope he can I think he will. I mean, I don't think he's going to get 20 goals this season no. thing or like shatter anyone's points expectations, but the way he's playing is remarkably more sustainable. That's the word I'm looking for. Remarkably more sustainable than the way he's been in the past, where it's just like he's playing with McKinnon in the top six yeah. and getting one timers like he's working hard on the boards. He's making smarter, more skilled, I guess, more, more developed plays is probably the word for it, where he just seems a lot more in touch with what's going on around him. I don't yeah, think I mean, if he gets like 25 points, I think we'll both be happy with that. Absolutely. I don't think he's putting up 50 points or anything this no. season, but right now he, he's sitting at a, a nice seven, 15 games into the season. You get 25, 30 points out of him by the end of the year. Maybe he's flirting with 10 goals. You, you love that. You absolutely yeah. love that. And it goes well beyond his point production as well. He's just done so many of the little things right all season long. And we skipped over the, he draws the penalty Yep, leading up earlier in the second period that you can argue should have been a penalty shot. Yeah, I, That's my thing with it, man. I, it's just, I feel like the penalty shot is just such an objective thing that I almost like take it out of the game if you're not going to call it. Because to me, that should have been a clear cut penalty because shot. Because the thing is, I almost think it should be an option because in that situation, do you really want Logan O'Connor taking that penalty shot over negating the penalty right. and getting two minutes of four on four? Because love Logan O'Connor. I've been singing his praises for the last two minutes. I'm not going to give him a penalty shot over. We're just going to completely negate the rest of this penalty and kill it True. off. True. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those. It's such a weird because, like, then there are some penalty shots in the league where you're like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" See, 
I I just thought of this right now. What if you gave them the penalty shot, and if they missed, you still get the power play? I don't think you can do that. that, that that's just that's like basically giving the other team two penalties. I feel like I think it's either one or the other. Like, well, if you're stopping a clear cut breakaway and interfering with that, you should be able to get the chance to finish that. But you still, if you missed, you still hooked them, so you get the power play. Yeah, I don't think so, man. Uh, that just feels like double jeopardy there. That just feels oh. like double jeopardy. Just so, just putting it out there. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's confusing. But L- Logan O'Connor, just to put a bow tie on that, he he looks good, and I hope he can continue it. And we'll have to wait and see. Once this team starts to get a little bit healthier, which who knows if that's ever going to happen, once these lines start to get figured out, I don't think you touch that third line, man, the way they've been playing. I just don't think you touch it. I really don't. Just the way all three of them work together, they've got just enough skill. They're just hard enough to play against. They're all good enough on the penalty kill. It's almost like an ideal third line. I have no issues running that into the playoffs, especially if Logan O'Connor keeps up the way that he's playing, which is just taking care of all the little details. I have zero fear about that going into the rest yeah, of the season. And, and I know it's only a two-game sample size, but what we've seen at Kiwi Ronta, it looks like the fourth line's starting to get rounded out a little bit too. Yeah. And once you add Lekkanen back into this mix, it, you're starting to look at a team that's pretty fucking solid. It's got a lot of depth. And yeah. Kiwi Ranta is a, a conversation in himself that, like, you bring it up. Do you want to just have the Kiwi Ranta conversation? Yeah, now? I mean, he's the first star of this game. He yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, he finishes with three points in this game. This was his first point on the assist on the Freddie Olofsson goal. And then... He gets the goal to put the abs up six to two and then gets a primary assist on Cogliano's goal to make it seven to two later in the third period. And even looking past the points he had in this game, I think he did more than enough to not only impress to stick full time in the lineup, just the way he plays on the fourth line and blends with everyone. I think that is exactly what they were looking for. Yeah, I mean, he's fit in. He's done exactly what I thought he was going to do other than the point production. I, I love the way he plays on that fourth line. The point production is just always going to be a plus when it comes to it. So it's interesting because they signed him to a two-way deal, so they can send him down whenever they want, right? Not uh, how a two-way deal works? I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think two-way deal has anything to do with waivers. At least that's what I've read on. I think it just has to do with like two separate salaries when you go up and down. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I could be wrong on that, but... Yeah, I mean, because if, if he was able to clear waivers, it's going to be interesting, man, because it we still don't know what's going to happen with that, but I imagine he's out for a while. So you won't have to worry about that for a good bit, but he looks good, and I like that fourth line with Olofsson and Cogliano. And I like the way Riley Tufty's played. I think he's now just the call up when ever someone else gets hurt and he can just plug and play him anywhere. But I agree with you. I think you just keep that fourth line with Kiviranta and Olsen and just have the stars fourth line. Yeah. I mean, because Riley Tufty played well when he was up, just couldn't ultimately get on the board right. or anything like that. And you have a lot of these options, but Kiviranta came in immediately is getting trusted with penalty kill time immediately finds ways to get on the score sheet and did everything that you would want out of a fourth liner makes all the right decisions not making any dumb plays and it just seems like such a nice little fit in the system it's like we talked about i think last episode where riley tufty is doing everything you would want but Kibiranta just has more experience playing in these roles yes. like he did in Dallas. And Tufty just does not have a lot 
of NHL experience, which is an unfortunate tiebreaker because he had nothing to do with that. But Kibiranta, when he was in Dallas, he played, what, 60 games last year? I thought you said it was close to 70. That's what I mean. Like, it might even be more than that. I think he played most of the season. Yeah, he played like 78, stars. I think, is what he played. Yeah. So yeah, he, he played, looked good. He played 70 games last yeah. year. So he, he looks solid. I think he's locked into that fourth line. He's going to be a valuable penalty killer. And it, it was shocking to me when he got cut out of training camp, and I'm glad he decided to stick with the abs because this is a very good piece that you can just plug into your lineup now. Like from the preseason, I didn't think Kiwi Ronta was a guy they could really afford to lose. I, I really wanted them to find a way to at least keep him in the system as an option, and I'm glad they did because yeah. I really like what I've seen from Kiwi Ronta. Even if you take out all three of those points, I think it's inarguable. That is the guy on the fourth line. Without and, it. But the thing is, you can rotate them because now you have these options that you can just put in on the fourth line if you need to, where yeah. if Cagliano's out for a game, you can bring Riley Tufty back up where you really look at the guys you took from the stars this off season. All of them seem to be completely NHL capable. Kiwi Ranta's great. Freddie Olofsson's great. Riley Tufty's great. It does make you wonder what they are going to do with Curtis McDermott because it, gets even harder to justify putting him in the lineup when you have three. Well, he's a free agent after this year, right? But you, you, you do need to do something about him this season because you are carrying him. He does count against the cap. You're not concerned about it right now because you have a shit ton of LTIR space. Yeah. But at some point, you're going to have to ask, what is Curtis McDermott doing that these guys are not? Because that is a future guys, me problem, Griffin. That right. is a future me and problem. I, I'm, not force, right I'm not forcing you to take a side or anything <laughs> right now. I'm just saying is that whenever we've seen TV Ronta in the lineup, he's been fantastic. When we've seen Olafson playing in the lineup, he's been fantastic. When we've seen Tufty in the lineup, he's been very strong as well. That does not leave a lot of room to just be like, yeah, let's, let's throw Curtis McDermott out there for four minutes tonight. That, that's a lot of playing time for him, man. Four minutes is a lot. That's, so, that's what I mean. I'm, try, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to keep this conversation. Yeah, that, that's a future me problem, but I, I I do think that we have a little bit um, – we have solved a little bit of the depth issues we had last year. Like I'm really impressed with the third and fourth lines, and we just need the second line to get going a little bit. The first line is going to do its thing, but it will keep you run to first start of the game. And I always wonder because – those guys probably never expect to be like interviewed after the game. Like just what goes through their mind where it's like, no one ever wants to talk to me in the press. And all of a sudden I have to speak in front of 18,000 people. Like what the fuck's going on? Like, especially in uh, Kiwi Ronta's shoes, because we're in a kind of unique situation with this yeah. guy. I don't think I need to reintroduce why that is with yeah. him, where this is the first game he's played in ball arena in front of like a regular season game in front of Avs fans kind of usually on the the hit list of villains with this yep. fan base. Now, all of a sudden, in his first game, three points, first star, has to give a nice little speech after the game, and everyone's cheering for him. That's got to be really weird for him, right? Yeah, and like, what, what, I, I know the producers are the ones asking the, like, they tell the reporter which questions to ask, but like, that's got to be such a weird thing for a player when it's just like, so what'd you think about playing in front of this fan base instead of playing against them? Like, what are they going to say? Like, of course they have to say, oh, it was great. Like, I love the fans. It's like, dude, you've only been here for like two months. Like, you don't have to lie. You know what? Just... We have fans. We just make that strong of an impression. He yeah. loved it immediately. <laughs> I was just like, I'm watching the interview and I'm like, this dude has been schooled in hockey literacy. Like, I respect it because he's just being asked these questions of people he's been in front of for less than 
two months, but that always makes me chuckle. Um, but good for you. I'll keep you on to three points. I love the fact that on his goal, Georgiev gets an assist too. It's yeah. always great to see the goalie show up on the stat sheet. Oh, I love you. Like, cause these guys get on the stat sheet, like what every once, twice a season, maybe yeah. they get like a point or two. Love to see Georgiev get on the board. Kind of makes up for the, the sub 900 save percentage, right? I'd trade yeah. that. Yeah. I'd trade that too. So right. yeah. And then uh, the rest of the third period before the Kiwi Ronto goal, um, this was the, the rhetoric going into the game and we were spreading it too was all oh, the ducks are a comeback team, comeback team. They always seem to come back. Yeah. The apps took that personally and kind of kicked the shit out of the yeah, ducks. Th- there came a certain point where I was like, you know what? I feel pretty secure in this yeah. right now because you do have to give the ducks credit. They set an NHL record for six third period comebacks at this point of the season. And they did it the night before against Nashville again. And you also had Jeff Merrick in the the third period when the abs were up four to one. So you go, the ducks have them right where they want them. And I think someone on the bench showed them that because they completely shit can them the rest of the third period. And this is, this is what we talked about going into the game is that the abs have been really, really good in the third period. And so the ducks, which one's going to win? We both said the abs are a different breed than what the ducks have been dealing with. And they're not going to get away with that again. I did not imagine to this extent, yeah. but three to one going into the third period, it ends eight to two in favor of the abs. They just embarrass them. Embarrass them. And it gets going with that third line we were talking about, man. I love this play uh, by, I believe it was Miles Wood to Logan O'Connor setting up behind the net. And the speed of this third line was ridiculous. Uh, Logan O'Connor sets up Ross Colton. Ross Colton makes a beautiful move diving into the corner in front of the net. He gets his fifth goal of the year. And I, I'm going to say it probably throughout the, I love this third line, dude. I love it. They, they are just an energy, energy line. And whenever they score, it just feels like they're scoring their first goal they've ever scored in their lives, whichever one of the three of them scores. Yeah, it's it's fantastic seeing these guys play together. He's, these are guys that ha- should have no chemistry at this point in the season, right. guys who have never played together, least of all Colton and O'Connor, who have like a history together. They're <laughs> very like, funny that they're friends. Their biggest chemistry is punching each other in the face. And for some reason, they just seem to play really good hockey together. And Miles Wood fits in really well with all those guys. And they just, they always seem to be on the same page with one another. And for Ross Colton, who started the season kind of cold, now all of a sudden up to five and is having the time of his life every time he puts the puck in the net. Every time he puts the puck in the net. And I, he's on pace for 20 goals this year. He, I think he's pretty comfortably going to, well, not because it comes to me, but I, I do think he's going to get 20 goals this season. And this line's just fast, dude. They are fast. That's the it thing. A about very fast line. line and they will hit anything that moves. Yeah. This is the type of line that when we talk about this Dallas game coming up and this Vegas game, whenever we play them next, these this is the type of line you need to win against those teams. Yeah, and like that's the difference maker for this line. Because I think a bunch of teams be like, oh, this, this line's tough to play against. That's usually code for they're slow and right. don't score a lot and kind of take dumb penalties. The combination of these three is actually tough to play against because they do all of those things. They make life difficult for you. They make you frustrated. You also have a guy in Ross Colton who has the ability to put pucks in the net. Miles Wood, who if you don't know anything about him, you don't know that he's that fast. Like he is an unbelievable skater. And Logan O'Connor flies under the radar as a very strong skater as well. And those guys just make life miserable for you. And they are a threat. 
That's what I harped on in the Seattle series in the playoffs last year. Nobody was a threat. These guys are threats in every part of the game. And it's such a, a refreshing thing to see. And it gives them such an edge over other teams' depth because they do so many things so well. They do so many things so well. And it, they're consistent. Like even when the abs are getting their ass kicked, like in those two games, you can still look at that third line and be like, hey, at least this line's providing something. Right. They're still they're, something. Out there. they're yeah. still going out there and doing something. I mean, they're not going to score every single night. This is not a line of superstars. But they're still going to go out there and do their job every single game. Yeah. So that's what I love about that third line. Um, and that was just the first of many for abs goals in this period. Uh, shortly after that, yeah, Val Nachushkin gets his second of the game, tips on Mikhail McCarr shot. Power play goal. Power play scores again in back-to-back games. So maybe the power play is going to get going a little bit. Keep our fingers crossed you're going to need it. But, again, just another good net front presence by Val. McHale gets the shot through. Val tips it in. Yeah, pretty simple. I mean, it's kind of almost identical to the the first one he scored off of the Taze shots. Why I got them mixed up at first because they were just so similar. And good to see Val still rolling. Kale had a fantastic night as well. And yeah, the Ducks, they just, it seemed like they didn't really know how to respond to this after that, once the abs really started to keep the pressure on. And then you get the the Kiviranta goal where it's a kind of a breakdown by the Ducks. And then almost instantly right after that, Andrew Cogliano gets his first goal this season. Always great to see Cogliano scoring goals again, especially since it's been kind of a, a rough start to the season for him injury-wise. Yep. This so guy. he gets going. Jack Johnson had two points in this game. That's very funny to me. I don't know why. Jack like, Johnson's like putting up a, an uncomfortable amount of points. Yeah, like he, he's on a hot streak game. right now. So that's yeah. really, it's really throwing me off. But I mean, I, I, I say that, but he got half of his points in this game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Man. Like it's it's weird seeing Jack Johnson put up points. Um, Cogliano gets his first. We laughed last year because Cogliano for the longest time was like second or third on this team and even strength goals. Hopefully that's not the case this year. But he gets his first of the year. And then just to rub some more salt in the wound, Devontae scores to make it 8-2. A beautiful pass by Kale McCarr to set up Devontae. Like, those are the type of plays you see from Kale McCarr and you're just like, oh, yeah, that dude's on a different fucking planet than everyone right. else. Right. And it's just to – of course, it's to make it 8-2, to two, so, like, no right. one really cares about it. But it's just another play by Kale that's just so ridiculous. I did want to talk about Cagliano and how this guy is just constantly getting sent into the net and into the boards – there, there was one point in this game where he just got sent into the net, like into the, the post. How does he keep ending up in these spots where just everyone hammers this guy to the point where you wonder if he's going to get back up? I think it's like the hockey gods gave him immense strength and they just put it to the test every single game. Right. They stress test this guy every time yeah. he's on the ice. Yeah, they're just like, fuck it. We gave this guy invulnerability. Let's let's keep testing it uh, until he finally eventually breaks down. And it's sad to see, but the dude, the dude knows only how to play at one speed. He only knows how to play one way. I'll give Cogliano credit. He knows his game style and he plays it to a T. Yeah, it's just so funny. At least when he gets up, it's funny because there are yeah. times he has very serious injuries. But it's just so funny to see him just get flung around the ice sometimes. But you get through the rest of this game. The abs are up eight to two with this dominant performance over the ducks they finish it out again the third periods from this team have just been remarkable they outside of that very weird one against the blues when the abs have the lead going into the third period they've been borderline unstoppable borderline unstoppable and i think my favorite part of this game is you look at the stat sheet and we've done all of this and miko rantanen's name's not on the stat sheet 
McKinnon yep. had two secondary assists. They did this with their two best players arguably not contributing that much in this game. Yeah, that's so, exactly what I wanted to finish on. I mean, you had three players or three three forwards that went pointless in this game. It was Ross Colton, Jonathan Truen, and Miko Rantanen. Well, Ross Colton could have gone pointless. He had a goal. Oh, I'm sorry. Ryan Johansson. I'm Ryan sorry. Johansson. Okay. I'm sorry. I still had Colton on the brain. But <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Johansson, Jonathan Druen, and Miko Rantanen in this game. And you, when you see the Avs win 8-2, to two, you assume – McKinnon had a four-point night with two goals. Rantanen is, got in on a couple of those, too. No, this was just a pure depth performance outside of some assists from McCarr. This was just all the guys at the bottom of the lineup getting their licks in. Yeah, getting their licks in. That, that's what we want from this team. Because last year, this team wouldn't have been able to pull this off. No. with the, If McKinnon only has two points, Miko has none. Like, McKinnon only had two shots on goal, and Miko only had two shots on goal. Like, that. <laughs> That's it. Um, this team got blown out last year if that was the case. Yeah, unfathomable. But the way that they've added these new guys into the system and the way they've just worked out, it's been a blessing to start the season. And if you're if you're getting performances like that from the depth and you know McKinnon's going to have a goal next game, Ranton is going to have a three-point night here soon. If you're getting both of those at the same time, this is it's a very scary hockey team the Avs have put together here because th- they are still figuring things out right now. They're still going to have some bad performances between now and the end of the season. But when they get rolling like that, when they implement their system, when they play the way they've played against the Kraken and against the Ducks, they're going to win a lot of hockey games. And there's not going to be a lot that other teams can really do about it. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. Good win. Great win. Best win of the year. But it does set up the game that we talked about on Tuesday's episode. This game against the Dallas Stars tonight, by the time you're listening to this, is going to be – it's a big test for me to see where this team's at. Because let's be honest, the two tests they've had so far, they failed miserably. So I – Dallas is a very good team. Right now they are the best team in the Central Division, and I i mean, even though the Avs are playing better, I still think that Dallas is better than the Avs right now. They they're playing really good hockey. They're 11, three and one, seven and three in their past 10. This is going to be a tough game, a very, very tough game. I want to get your thoughts on it first, because I have my own thoughts on it. I mean, Dallas has not really had any setbacks to start the season. I mean, they kind of came out the gates right away. They only had a shootout loss to Vegas. 
a loss to the Leafs, the Canucks, and the Bruins. I mean, the only teams they've lost to are pretty solid teams, and they've just kind of taken care of business in most of their games. They're not invincible, but the Avs, when they get going like this, there's not a lot teams can do to stop them. And these are the kinds of games, really the games against Dallas this year, all four of them are going to be the biggest game of the seasons. Just because you look, these at are the, the two best teams in the central right. division by you, far. You by look far. at the, you look at the rest of the central, the rest of these teams are not very good. You kind of, we've known this since before the season, the abs and the stars are going to fight for one. And Whoever doesn't get one is going to be two. There's this is three. a very likely second round matchup. Right. And realistically, these are going to be the only games that might matter for you standings wise in head to head matchups. Unless one of these teams in the central really starts to put it together later and something goes really wrong for one of the abs or the stars the rest of the way. The head-to-head here, this might these like I said, these are probably going to be the only ones that matter for you by the end of the season. Like, yes, Vegas is important for best in the West, maybe, but this is the one that is a race, the one that directly affects you and your positioning. Yes, yes. Um, when I look at this game, I this sounds like loser talk. I just want the abs to be competitive in it. I want them to win the game, obviously, but in a big game, actually show up and make it a competitive game. That's what I'm looking for, and that's just because I've been beaten down by the past couple times these teams have played. For me, the key in this game is going to be which power play shows up. You're looking at two top 10 units for penalty kill. The Stars are second at 90%. The Avs are seventh at 87%. And then both of the power plays are sitting right in the 16 to 22 range. So the special teams is going to be the biggest difference in this game, in my opinion. Which power play can score the one goal of the three or four opportunities? Well, you're, you're forgetting the most important detail is can the abs show up on a Saturday? Well, that's what I'm saying, man. I want them to be competitive. I just want them to be competitive on a Saturday and not get blown out. Just make it a competitive game, please. Yeah, that's it, all. I'm it, it would definitely be progress to not get blown out against the Stars compared to how some of these other games have went, because we don't play the stars again until early January. That one is also in Dallas and then February 27th back in Colorado. And then probably April is the last time. April 7th would be the last game. That's like a, what a week before the playoffs start. Yeah. That's the fifth to last game of the season. Yeah. That is good schedule making by them. Good right. schedule making. So point being, you're not going to have a lot of opportunities to directly affect where the stars are in the standings. It would definitely be a good boost for this team for a little while to go into Dallas and go and get two points. Cause I, I don't think you can come up from this game empty handed. That would kind of, it, I don't want to say it would undo the last two games, but it would kind of feel that way. It would, because let, let's be honest, the, the Kraken, they've been kind of our nemesis, but they're what, like, 15th in the West they're, right now. They're a fad for us right yeah. now where yeah. we played them in the playoffs last year and they've hurt some guys. We played them three times already to start the season. That's going to go away in a couple seasons. The stars are the stars. They've yes. been here for a while. We know them well. Our matchups against them are always tough. This kind of win will carry you far if you can get it done. Agreed. And I don't want to be trolled by the one stars fan who follows me on Twitter and just responds to everything. So I would really like just to just to win, just so I don't have to deal with I am bamboozle uh, on Twitter. But, uh, I mean, this is going to be a fun game. This is 
like two weeks ago, I would have said Georgiev and Ottinger are even that goaltending. But right now, the way the past couple weeks have gone, you have to give the edge in that to Ottinger. Yeah. And by a pretty significant margin, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think that's a, at all crazy or unfair to say. Jake Ottinger has been one of the best goalies in the league so far to start this season. And you look around at everyone else. I mean, pound for pound, like maybe Demko has been better. Swayman's been better. But you can probably make a pretty solid case for Ottinger being a top three goalie to start yeah, yeah. the season so far. And with Georgiev, he's had two solid games in a row. Had a great game against Seattle and a game against the Ducks where just those two goals he could do nothing about. He hasn't given up any stinkers, but that's probably going to be the key matchup in this game is is if Georgiev is back and ready to to face high-quality shots again because you're not playing the Kraken or the Ducks anymore. The Stars, they have good offense, they have good players, and there might be a couple of, of chances that are not going to be shots from the point that you stop with your chest. You're going to have to come up and make some big saves because the stars will get that on the other end. They will. It's, it's going to be an interesting game. I, what your gift are we getting is really going to be the difference in it. Cause you know, Ottinger is going to, if you can get, I'm going to say, if you can score three goals, I think you win this game. Yeah. I, I think that's what this game's going to be. It's going to be a race to three. It's going to be a tight game, probably a tight checking game too. And probably not a lot of shots. Because uh, I, I think this is going to be a nervous game. I think these teams know what's at stake playing each other, even if it is just the regular season. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I honestly wouldn't even expect there to be a goal, maybe even in the first period. It's going to be like it was against Vegas. The team that makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win. Couldn't agree more. And the Avs have not done very well <laughs> when it comes to not making mistakes on the road. So we'll have to wait and see. What what what's your prediction for the game? I think it's a pretty simple box standard three to two abs win. I'd love I'd love for them to get it done in regulation, but if you if you have to get it done in overtime, you take what you can get. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go just because just be different. I think they lose the game three to two in overtime. I still think they get a point, but they they need to show me that they can go win a big game before I pick them to win a big game. They need to show me that they can. I'll more than be more than happy to come on here uh, Monday night for Tuesday's episode and say I was wrong. They kicked the shit out of the stars. I would love to say that, but until they prove it to me, I I can't pick them to win this game. I do think they play well, but the stars are just on a different level right now, and I I think the Avs fall in overtime. I think they make this game close though. I think this is this will be a game where I think they're down two one in the third and they tie it late in the third, but just can't win it in overtime. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of the Stars wins this season. I mean, they've won a lot of their games. Their wins, they're not overly impressive. It's always impressive to win because it's harder to win in the NHL, but they win like some 5-3, some 4-3 games. Their game against Minnesota looks really bloated, that 8-3 win. They had five power play goals. Minnesota, I watched that game. Minnesota was awful in that game. They played awful. And then on Tuesday, their last game against Arizona, they got by with an, an overtime win in that one. It's just with the Avs, when they win, it's big. When they lose, it's, it's big. big. And they've just they've had more stinkers than the Stars have had so far. The Stars have been very consistent so far. Very consistent. So un- until the Avs can prove to me that they can go win a big game, I'm going to have to pick against them. But like I said, we come on here Monday night, and I have to come on here and eat my words. I will gladly do it. I, I will mean, eat crow so, so proudly. 
I mean, by this time next week, we could be looking at a, a rough stretch for the Stars. They play, obviously, the Avs on Saturday. They play the Rangers on Monday and Vegas again on Wednesday. Granted, all at home, but if the Avs can go make a statement in Dallas, that could set Dallas up for a rough stretch. Yeah, it could. It could. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I certainly I certainly hope that's the case. This is the game that's probably going to hold up as your biggest game for a little bit on your schedule right now. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, we, we kind of alluded to it with the Arturi Lekkinen news. Uh, Evan was listening to, how how do you think Evan finds this stuff? Do you think he's just like, he seems to be the first one breaking on all of these stories where like, I listened to this Finnish podcast. Like how is he finding these things? Like he found out Arturi's Lekkinen's dad was on a podcast and that, Lekkonen's dad or mom had flown out here because Lekkonen's in the neck brace. Like, yeah. good for Evan. I mean, that's why he gets paid to do this. But that that just, I was like, how is he, does he just have notifications set up for when these guys post something? I, I don't know. I mean, Evan just top class in the business, as always. He's always gets the scoops first. He knows where all the information is. Maybe he just knows where to look on everything. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. Probably it. You know, it, it, hel- it helps when it's your job to, yeah. to go and find this stuff. But yeah, Evan had the the scoop first where Lekkonen's father was on a Finnish podcast. Again, that, again like you said, that's just so crazy <laughs> that you just know that. It's like, so random. Like I, I appreciate that Evan does it so that I don't have to. Right. And basically the update was that Lekkonen is currently in a neck brace due to the injury he suffered against the Kraken. And there's still no real timeline for his recovery. His mom flows into Denver to help him recover and everything like that. But Based on what we're hearing out of this so far, neck brace, recovery, I don't have any expectation for Lekkonen to be back. My most optimistic timeline would be New Year's. See, my most, like, it depends. Like, are we talking, like, like if he broke his neck, which, who knows, we won't, we won't know. I would say if we see him before the All-Star break, I'd be happy. Yeah, this it's the kind of thing where once they start throwing it, yeah, there's no timetable or anything like that. Yeah. I almost kind of want to put it out of my brain and just correct. Like, we're gonna be without Lekkonen for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Minimum four weeks because he's on LTIR. Yeah. Minimum. And you know, just because means- just because that's the minimum. Yeah, that doesn't mean it. So shout out Evan for getting that report, even though it was bad news uh for the Lekkonen thing. Any other Avs news that we're missing? Avs news that we're missing. I mean, we talked about Patrick Kane already last week. Yeah, so Courtney Emily Kaplan are reportedly in the mix. Seems like every team is reportedly in the yeah. mix for Patrick Kane, which makes me think there's a lot of people just guessing about yeah. where he's going. Because I, th- I think I talked about this already. It's like, oh, Buffalo, where he grew up. The Rangers, he played there last year. The Avs, Stanley. He's Cup, always there. He, he's always connected to the Avs. Yeah. And like, I don't think we need to rehash the whole conversation again. I'm just weary of hip resurfacing surgeries. I think justifiably so after seeing what's happened to Nick Backstrom, but I don't know. It just doesn't move me. No, it doesn't. I I don't think it will. I think he ends up in Florida or the Rangers. That's my guess. Yeah. I I think Florida just makes more sense for him than the Az. Because again, you need to be able to keep up on the abs we don't know if patrick kane is going to have his foot speed back after such a surgery and he need to play a little bit of defense we've seen jonathan drouin already struggle a little in the system and with his lack of defense at times 
And I don't, there's a difference between Jonathan Drouin and Patrick Kane, where Jonathan Drouin's trying to save his career. So I think he's trying to play a little bit of defense to stay in the NHL. Patrick Kane's not really going to be worried about that. The guy's won three cups. He's made a lot of money. And if Jared Bednar tells him to play defense, he's just going to kind of look at him and be like, no. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's honestly, I, I don't think he ends up here. I think there's just better options for him. And I'm honestly okay with it because I kind of like the depth we have already. And I think Patrick Kane would just add another thing of not drama, but it would just add another thing of eyes for when he comes. So I'm good. Yeah, I, The national media attention would get annoying from it. And just for my personal bias, I don't like the guy. I yeah. would like having him on the team. If we're talking Patrick Kane from 10 years ago, fuck yeah, I'd take Patrick yeah, Kane. You, you signed him yesterday. Yeah. But it's not yeah. Patrick Kane from 10 years ago anymore. And it gets much harder to to like the guy. Yeah. You actually kind of look at him a little bit and he kind of be like, oh but, he's, it's, oh, but he's just so good at hockey. Because when you start to get back towards the pack a little bit, you're like, well, not that great a guy. Yeah. I, I Yeah. I think he stays on the East. I don't think he's going to come out West. Yeah. So. I mean, the, the only way I could see it is if he takes a, a big discount is just like, I think the Avs are the, the, the cup favorites and I'm going to go there and chase a cup or something. Like, right. That, 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 right. That saying that just sounds wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm good. I just, I don't see it. I just don't see it, but we, we had a conversation it. already. I don't think yeah. we need to spend too much more time on it. Yeah. Agreed. Let's move on. Yeah. And looking around the the rest of the league for our usual standings update, I, I think the the story of the season so far is Vancouver. I think that's pretty safe to say. So I want to ask you, how sustainable do you think this Canucks team is? They're 12-4-1 right now. They scored 72 goals to start the season. Thatcher Demko is probably the, the in-house favorite for the Vesna right now. They lost their last game on the second half of a back-to-back to Calgary. Do you think the Canucks can keep this up? Does it no. even matter? No, they can't keep it up. But the thing is, is they're going to give themselves such a nice cushion that when the regression hits, which it will, they should be safe to be in the top three or the wild card I, I, in the Pacific. Um, and we talked about it. The Western Conference is a joke outside of the Avs, Dallas, Vegas, LA. It's a joke. It, it's not very good. So I think that it's not sustainable. They aren't going to stay right there with Vegas the entire year. The shooting percentages are going to come down. The goaltending is going to come back down to earth a little bit, but I do think they're going to be comfortably in a playoff spot. Well, Christian, I just don't get why you're hating on a team for saying that they're unsustainable. They have the one, two, and three point scorer in the NHL all tied for first. You, you don't think they can keep that up? No. no. Really? So you? So yeah. why do you? Why do you hate the Canucks, Christian? We're, we're on Twitter right now. Oh, I I don't hate the Canucks. I just oh, no, uh, you know, too late. You already said. I think you just if you're a Canucks fan, if you if I told you at the beginning of the year that you're going to be in the playoff mix, I think they would have been more than happy with that. Like I think they're one of the eight best teams in the Western Conference. I I, I think I think you you're not realizing your mistake. You're being rational, right? Yeah, now. and that's I mean, that's not what they do. In that's Vegas. totally fine. And that's I love, totally and fine, I love them for it. Let's not get construed here. I love Canucks fans because they're so funny and the Canucks are easily my favorite Canadian team, but this is not going to stay this way. No. I mean, we were talking about Thatcher Demko who before last year was probably a top 10 goalie. Yeah. He had a rough year last year with a lot of injuries. I'm not, I'm not surprised to see him up here, but what he's doing 
is they're they're breaking analytics right now. This team for this stretch, I think they're going to be a playoff team, but it's going to come crashing down magnificently. And if you're a Canucks fan, the one thing you need right now, lock up Elias Pettersson as soon as possible. Like that dude is a stud. He is one of the best players in the NHL. And the fact that they have not been able to re-sign him is magnificent to me. That is a top 10 player in the NHL. Right. And it's, it's crazy that he had that season last year. And like, there's still these rumors that like, Oh, they don't want to sign him or what? I forget exactly what the rumor was from the off season. Like they don't want to spend that money or anything like that. Like this is a guy who is now proving himself to be a top five center in the league had 102 points last year in 80 games has 27 already on the season. I mean, the the guy is otherworldly and you're going to pinch pennies on that. Of all the things the Canucks do, they do not pinch pennies, but you are going to get stingy with Pedersen. The best player you've had since the Sedin twins, you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get picky with. So I I do like that. Quinn Hughes, like you said earlier in the episode, he's playing some fantastic hockey. He's actually learned how to play some defense, which has been good. And Thatcher Demko has been out of this world. Do I think they can sustain that for the whole year? No, but they will be a playoff team. You you don't think they're going to sustain this historic pace across the board where they have Miller, Pedersen, and Hughes all tied for the Art Ross lead by the end of the season, Demko running away for the Vesna and Hughes running away for the Norris. You, you, again, you don't think that's going to stay that way? No, no. Interesting. I, if we have any Canucks fans listening to this, yeah, come at me, but there's – the evidence suggests for the Canucks team, things in badly for Vancouver. Like it's just, it's kind of a sad franchise. So I'm glad they're feeling happy right now, but they, the closest they've come is a game seven loss. They've lost two game sevens in the Stanley Cup finals. They're kind of a depressed franchise. Yeah. So, because what is it? Our boss, Dylan, he, he's a big Canucks guy. He's a big Vancouver guy. I mean, yeah. with, with the Canucks, I, I think it's a pretty simple answer is that they are way better than anyone expected. They're going to make the playoffs they're not this they're not going to hang up like Brock Besser's not going to win the rocket Richard or anything we didn't even bring up Besser tied for the league lead and goals as well they're tied for at least something in every single category to start the season Vegas is going to win the Pacific LA looks really good everyone else in the west is just not very good even if Vancouver falls off they're still probably going to play at around a wild card pace and they're already banking enough points that they're still going to get in even if the Oilers rock it all the way back up into the top three, the Canucks are going to sleepwalk their way into a wild card spot. And we've seen in the playoffs, you just got to get in sometimes, see what can happen. Crazier things have happened. Worse teams have made better runs than this Vancouver team right now. I think they're a case of early season hype. The rest of the season's going to slow them down. They're probably going to get outed in the first round. And you try to build off of that next season. Yeah, my fear if you're a Canucks fan is that they try and go like all in at the deadline and try and trade it. Like, don't do that. Just just fucking just 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 keep building. Like you have a good good core. Lock up Elias Pedersen. Demko looks like he's back to the goal you thought he was going to be. Quinn Hughes took that next step. Like you're building. You're building. Keep building. Yeah, all it took was just one offseason of not spending like drunken sailors on over the moon free agents. And all, what do you know? You put good players around good players and you suddenly ice a good team who knew right. this would be this hard. Yeah. So, but we know Canucks ownership, they're kind of idiots. So they'll probably force some stupid trade and 
trade away everything and then they'll fall and they may like could you imagine if they face the Oilers in the first round and then just got swept by them? I don't I think there is not a scenario for the Canucks for the rest of the season that is not funny. They yeah. now lock themselves into funny because either it stays this way and that is fucking hilarious. That is amazing yes. if they actually keep this up and go like moonwalk to a cup or something. That's amazing. Or they totally bought him out, missed the playoffs. People are getting traded. People are getting fired. That's hilarious. They make the playoffs and lose. That's still funny. There is not a single scenario for this team that isn't funny because they still because like stuff. what would you say if you have Vancouver and LA matchup in the first round? I I think Kings. LA dog walks them. The the Kings are probably the most under the radar team. Yeah, entirely this season. I, I say Kings not even as a slight against the Canucks. The Kings have been genuinely very impressive yeah. so far for this season. Like they could very well represent the West if they build more at the trade deadline and keep things up the way they're going. Cam Talbot's suddenly turned into a good goalie again, and suddenly the Kings are really good. Yeah, Almost like that's what they needed the whole time. It's almost what they needed. You're looking at it right now because the West does probably have four elite teams, and the Avs are on the fringe of it, but you got Vegas, L.A., Colorado, and Dallas. Those second-round matchups could potentially fuck. Like th- yeah. Those ones could be some like badass second-round matchups. I know we're way ahead of schedule for the playoffs, but you look at it on paper, those second round matchups could be fucking elite. Yeah. Yeah. Av stars in the second round, potentially LA Vegas in the second round, or you could throw Edmonton back in that mix as well. I mean, there's really not a bad outcome here. Not a bad outcome, but yeah, good for the Canucks. This isn't sustainable. I'm very intrigued because the Avs play the Canucks next Wednesday. Um, let's see how that game goes. Yeah. Because it, it would be very fun if the Avs just dog walked them. Yeah, and I love the Canucks. I hope they do well. I hope this stays this way because they're a, they're a fun little team. And I don't know. I like when the Canucks are in the playoffs. It's fun. Yeah, it's good to see Vancouver. But yeah, that's kind of a sad franchise. Kind of a sad franchise. Yeah, but you know what? It's fine. Makes yeah. them, makes them more endearing. Yeah, just to so recap the West standing wise: uh, Abs, Stars, Vegas, Canucks, LA, good. Rest of the West, meh. Yeah. So one through five in the West right now, Vegas, Vancouver, Dallas, L.A., Colorado. And then after that, it's just a a collection of meh. Winnipeg could get in by default. I think the thing no one's really talking about is Minnesota is still not really that good right now. And they've been bad for now over a month at this point. Just wait, man. Once they get out of this cap hell, they'll be back. I guess. But I mean... They're just a very bland, boring team so far yeah. this season. Like there's just since taking a step back. Flurry's just Mark Andre Flurry. Like they're they're very meh. Yeah, I mean, and Kaprizov's a point per game, but he's had like very little impact. It's yeah, we don't need to talk about that. He's my first round pick in fantasy, and he's kind yeah. of sucked. Well, that's your fault for picking a wild player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and they're even getting like a nice little emergence from Marco Rossi. But the thing is, like, Marco Rossi's finally ready for the NHL, and he's immediately thrust onto the top line. Yeah, they don't have good centers, and Joel Eriksson Ek is the one wild guy I have. He's probably one of the few guys that's actually performed. Matt Boldy only has one goal on the season. Like, it's just a very bland hockey team that I think was very propped up by some good goaltending last year, and that is now regressing. Yes. We all who would have thought Gustafson wasn't going to be a 941 or whatever he was last year. Right. He was this year. 
931 last season in 39 games. He was not going to do that again. And the over the moon Mark Andre Fleury was not going to save you as much as they want to convince themselves that Fleury is just going to someday, any day now, going to save this franchise. Still has not happened. And they're just they're just so okay in so many areas that I still think they're gonna make the playoffs just because I think they're better than Winnipeg and the other teams in the central, but they do have to start doing something eventually. They do. They will. They will. I'm not writing off Minnesota. It's going to be interesting. They're just a very boring hockey team. Yeah. It's a good word for it. They're boring. They're lame. Like, there's just very not, boring. not much. Kind of like the rest of the Western Conference in general. Just yeah. very big. Like, Winnipeg is the best outside of that top four, which is disappointing. Like, the Ducks, we saw. We all know what the Ducks are. We know what the Ducks are. They're fun. They're not going to make the playoffs. Arizona's fun. They're not going to make the playoffs. Seattle, I, they just lost too many pieces. They, yeah. They're not able to continue to run their system because they don't have the pieces to put the puck in the net. Calgary is a mess. The Oilers are coming back. They're go- I, they've won three in a row. I still think they're going to climb back into that race. But after this, you're getting into the Chicago's, the San Jose's. Nashville is just very unimpressive. Like They're, they're just bad. They're bad. You see Soros will get traded at this deadline. You even talk about bad fantasy picks. That one was mine. <laughs> I, this yeah, is the first time I've ever like bit the bullet and drafted a goalie high because I always like pick around with my goalies for the entire season because I never draft high enough. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll just get Soros in the fourth round and not have to worry about it. He's been my worst goalie. Yep. That's how it goes, man. Yeah. how it goes. Ridiculous. So, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be the West is bad. It's just bad. So we, the Avs should be able to pick up points against these Western Conference teams. Uh, moving over to the East, unless you had any other thoughts about the West. I don't think about the West much at all, honestly. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, the East kicks ass. Um, suddenly your Capitals are back from the brink of dead. They are in second place in the Metro, which is very funny to the both of us because you watch this Caps team and you just go, this team is very much the Minnesota Wild. Like they're just very meh. But somehow they're seven three and two and they're or seven three and one and they're seven two and one in their past ten games. They're seven one and one yeah. over their last little stretch in their last ten games. Uh, where'd that go? They're seven two and one in their last ten games. I I think they've I think they're responding well under Carberry. I think it's just they've got a good coach in the room who works really well with everyone. And Charlie Lindgren, while Kemper has been dealing with a lot of stuff, has been a phenomenal goalie for them and has saved them. In a lot of performances. I mean, he shut out Vegas with a 36 save shutout the other day. And they're getting good depth scoring. Ovechkin's going to start scoring soon. I mean, we, we've had the conversation like six times throughout his career. It's like, is this the end for Ovi? Like, I don't think he's scoring 50 anymore, but he's going to do better than four goals. Like, what's he on pace for? Like 20, right? Yeah, now? that'd be very funny if he only scored 20. Right. He's going to he's gonna get above that like he still looked good he's still putting up points he's getting a ton of assists right now which is not what you want i mean he has 11 points right now but i mean they're almost a point per game player what 37 years old that's pretty good he's 38 years old he's almost a point per game player i mean they're they're not going to make the playoffs they're just not no no (laughs) not going to make the playoffs they they're they have too many holes in the roster they're getting good performances from certain people at timely moments but they're not going to have that sustain over the course of the season be fun if they did but th- there there are too many good teams in the east you know what trade i wish they'd make 
trade uh, the Avs Dylan Strome for Ryan Johansson. I love Dylan Strome. So I know, but could you imagine him on the abs? That second line would be looking a lot better with Strome at second line center. When Dylan Strome was a free agent, I was telling you. Yeah. He's, he's on a pretty good deal, guy. too. He's what, four by three or three yeah, by four? Well, he's, he signed a one year deal worth 3.5. And then mid season last year, he signed a five times five. Oh, yeah. I mean, still good value. It's great value. Dylan Strome is a dog. He is one. He is like the guy from day one who was good on the season. His stat line is also hilarious. Seven goals, no assists. Respect. Respect. But the Metro is kind of, I, I agree with you. It's fun looking at the Caps in second place, but you look at it, Carolina is going to go back up there. The Devils, once they start to get healthy, will climb. But I will say, I think the Caps are right on par with the Penguins and the Islanders. So Which they could be. not saying a lot. It's not saying a lot, but I do think that they have a chance to make the playoffs. They have a chance to make the playoffs. That's the thing. Like, if there are teams that just fail to meet expectations, don't perform, they have a chance. But like you said, the Devils, they're getting Hughes back. They're going to get Heischer back eventually. They're going to get better. The Hurricanes are going to pull away from them, too. The Rangers are already five points ahead of them. They're not going to catch them. And there's just so many good teams in the Atlantic that that makes a wild card spot that much harder to get. And I think it just puts them towards the playoff line. Instead of being a lottery team, like maybe I was expecting when they were really shit out of the gate, they're probably going to be, I don't know, six points out of a spot by the end of the year. I mean, kind of the same thing was last year. They'll probably tank near the end of the year. But I don't think think they'll tank by the end of the year. I think they're just going to go on and off every now and again. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But it is just funny to look at that right now and that they're in second place. Yeah. But like you said, the Atlantic is a beast like we thought it was going to be. The two teams at the top were the two teams that we both thought would struggle. Uh, Boston has looked phenomenal. Florida, with all of their injuries still, has looked very good. Yeah, and, and now they're getting their guys back. And they're getting their guys back. So kudos to Florida and Boston. We were both wrong about that. Toronto is Toronto. They're, they're they're just going to be up there. And I think the Lightning have done actually a pretty good job of just holding the fort until Vasilevsky gets back. Yeah. They're treading water, but I, I think there's just something gone with that team that they're not getting back. They might yeah. playoffs this year, but that, that team's they don't have it anymore. Watching their games, like there's just no energy in them anymore. They look old. They look tired. And it's not just me writing off the lightning. It's just they, they, the the salary cap gutted them the last couple of seasons. They they're missing a lot of key guys, and their their core is just a little bit older. They just they just look kind of slow and lifeless, you know. I mean, if you look back, what, what a run for that team! What a run! Like they they had one of the greatest cap runs. Like they only end up winning two cups, but the from basically 2010 to. 22 a 12-year run they were elite yeah i mean fantastic team and they're not they're they might still make the playoffs they're still hovering around the playoff line right now and still very much in the race with the rest of the atlantic and once they get vasilevsky back if he goes back to being vasilevsky then the team's going to make it but you look at the rest of it boston might win another president's trophy they look like they're just not even missing a beat without bergeron the crazy are are getting Montour and Ekblad back. They activated them like two hours ago. So they might be getting those guys back as soon as their next game. Evan Rodriguez has been really good with the Panthers. Yeah. 
and Toronto, for as much as they've taken a dip, they, they're still banking points. They're nine, yep. five and two. Detroit is coming back down. They're three, five and two in their last 10. Tampa, we talked about them. Montreal is coming back down. They're three, six and one. Montreal stinks. Yeah. I mean, it's like they, they, they've, I've bet on them the past three games and they just stink. They stink. I think they're what we expected them to be. Yes. They're going to finish at the bottom of that division, but they're feisty. They're competitive. They, they are. are. Like they had that 6-5 game against Vegas, and they just couldn't finish it because they're they're not there yet. They're not, not there. going to be there for a little while. Then you have the Sabres and the Senators. Sabres, man. Yeah. The news of Tage Thompson being out weeks really puts a damper on the Sabres because they, they should be good. They should be. And they looked like they were right there. They were just like right outside of the playoffs a few games ago. And now Tage is going to be out for weeks, they've said. And that really does make it seem like with the race this close, that's going to be almost impossible to overcome. Agreed. Agreed. Well, uh, yeah, that sucks. That sucks. Um, it sucks about the Senators, too. I thought the Senators were going to be better. And they... They go, they go through phases. They're kind of like a, a shittier version of the abs where they lose a lot more games, but the games they win are super Great. exciting and almost blowouts. Yeah. They're seven and seven. Like they do have a positive goal differential. It's just the Atlantic is a beast. So I don't know, man. I, I mean, granted they have played the least amount of games outside of Boston in this division. So they could, if they win the games in hand, they could be right back up there with Tampa Bay. But I don't know. It's just weird looking at Ottawa right now. Corpusalo has been very mediocre for them, which kind of describes their team. So, yeah, like they're they're so close though. I, yeah. think. I mean, they the have, Atlantic they have is going to be an awesome division race to watch. That division kicks so much ass, and we'll have and to wait. It's going to be the same four teams that make it. It's going to yes. be Boston, Florida, Toronto, and Tampa. Yes. Yeah, more than likely. Yep. So it's just going to be that again. But it, the East is a lot more. I think there's a lot better teams in the East than there are in the West. So. Significantly. And we talked about that at the beginning of the year, so, and it's living up to expectations so far. Yeah. I mean, team like the Islanders, I think they're sinking out and dying just because Lamoureux refuses to do anything with that team other than just watch it burn. Columbus is not good. They're 1-7-2 and two in their last 10. The Flyers just keep hanging around, though. They're I mean, good. this is what they did last year. Not to this extent. They're yeah. still hanging around at around 500. They keep hanging in games. They keep pulling off the occasional upset. They've won three in a row in their last little bit. Like, yeah, they lost to the Sharks. Then they beat the Ducks. Then they beat the Kings. And then they beat the Hurricanes all on the road. Not going to make the playoffs, but they, they, be feisty. they've got a little something there. They've got a little bit of an identity, which for where they're at in a rebuild and already having Michkov in the system is pretty good. Yeah, so... We'll have to see, but that's a pretty good division recap for you. Uh, yep. We're coming up on just a little bit past an hour of this episode. I don't think I have anything else, man. Do you? No, I'm currently thinking about what I'm going to do for the rest of the night, which is fucking nothing because I exactly, man. That's a dream. <laughs> Dude, do you remember? Like, we'll end it with this. This is totally off topic. Uh, you have, oh, you have Xbox. Never mind. But on PlayStation Network, they just released a remaster. I have both. I have both. They, have both. they yeah. just released a, a remastered version of the SpongeBob Bikini Bottom game from like 2008. Nice. I'm going to download that bitch and play it all night because the NHL said, you know what? We're only going to schedule two games yeah. for this fucking they do this Friday. So fuck true. me. I'm going to go download that and play some video games all, all night. Sounds like a phenomenal plan. I'm probably not far behind in that as well. But I think I am ready 
to wrap up this episode here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Teledabs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go Abs. <laughs>